Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron Sportsbook Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. Good evening, everybody. It is uh, Friday the 13th, August 2021. Kind of scary to think that it's Friday the 13th. We've got a uh, tropical storm or depression, whatever this thing is, coming across Florida here over the weekend. And it is the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk radio show. We don't want anybody to be doomed and gloomed here with the bad weather going on. So we're going to talk about some sports here tonight and have a good old time. Allen, how are you this evening? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking, Aaron. Definitely trying to stay dry and doing all right, doing really well. Definitely doing really well here. Uh, this is a typical thing that happens in Florida. This time of year, we start getting uh, hurricanes, tropical storms, rainstorms. We start building arcs. We start loading animals up by, uh, two by two. And um, that's just kind of the thing we do here in the state of Florida, central Florida, to be more precise. So a lot of news to get to. A lot of things have gone on in sports these last couple of days. Uh, wide variety of topics here tonight um, from the NFL, which is uh, now underway with some of the preseason games to college football being very close to starting. Uh, obviously there's a lot of stuff in major league baseball that's going on. Just a lot of really cool stuff happening here. And I don't know about you. This is my favorite time of year in the sports world because they following baseball for the last five months, We're getting into that heated pennant race time of the year and you also have football right around the corner. I mean, we're only a month away from opening kickoff of the season, and college football is a little closer than that is. So tell me how excited you are to have football back. And this time it's going to be kind of what it was before this whole COVID thing started. Yeah, I'm very excited to have football back. Uh, you know, definitely it's it's always cool to have the guys playing on, on the Sundays and then the Thursday games too. It, it just seemed like the school year goes so much faster for the kids and the adults when football's back. It just makes your life so much more exciting, seeing the guys making some great plays. And I'm excited. You know, today they actually have preseason games starting today. And my son is excited. He even told me, he goes, hey, Tennessee Titans, there are some preseason games starting today. So it's great that the guys are back. And it's, it's I was a little disappointed, I'm not lie, that, the bus only allows season ticket holders to see the practice. That's a time that I usually like to go ahead and, and meet some of the players. But, you know, when you win a Super Bowl, you know how that goes, Aaron. Things change. <laughs> and, and you're not in the of a sudden. <laughs> very, very good point there for sure. So, so yeah, it is exciting. I know we had the uh, Hall of Fame game here uh, a week or so back. Uh, that was, uh, I believe, uh, Pittsburgh and Dallas. Um I've always said this about the preseason. It's nice to be able to watch football, to get back into that gridiron mentality, to get back into watching the normal things. But the preseason has really probably for the last 15 or 20 years, and probably even more so in the last five years, it's really become almost – it definitely isn't boring. I don't want to say that, but you're not seeing you're not seeing the stars out there on the field. For instance, tomorrow night, Tampa – uh, plays a home game, and 
you know, if you're going to that game, you're not going to see Tom Brady play. You're not going to see uh, Rob Gronkowski play. You're not going to see the normal starting players out there on the field. And that's a good good thing to happen, though, in a sense, because you don't want to take any risk if you're the Bucks. You don't want to get those guys hurt. Um, if you're going to see um, Seattle play, you're not going to see Russell Wilson. You're not going to see, most likely, Dak, uh, Dak Prescott play for the Cowboys. So, really, what the preseason's about now used to be, hey, let's get these guys their reps, and eventually they'll probably get a couple of series in. But now it's the position battles, the roster spots, um, undrafted free agents trying to make that 53-man final roster. And, of course, those rosters get trimmed down as the, uh, as the preseason goes on, and now they're only doing three games, you know, as opposed to what they used to do as, uh, as four. So yeah. um, I, I, I think the preseason is fun. I think it's, again, good to kind of get back into that routine and rhythm. But it's the regular season that everybody's going to be looking forward to, and we're, like I said, about a month away from that. Yeah, I, I mean, you're absolutely right to your point. The preseason, you, you know, when it first starts, the first game, or possibly two, you're not going to see some of the starters. But usually the last game, they usually do play at least uh, starters for about a half. I have to tell you from my personal experience, pre-COVID, me and the family went to a preseason game, and I tell you, Aaron, it was like a monsoon. It was raining so mm-hmm. hard. I cannot, I mean, thank God for umbrellas and also those pullover, <laughs> <laughs> those pullover, like, wet things and clear. Thank goodness for that because it was pouring. But they played, and you know what? It was a fun time. At that time, you had Jameis Winston. He, he was playing a little bit. It's kind of exciting when you see guys who are really trying to get that spot because it's like they're playing at 100. They're not playing at 80 or 90%. They're taking it like it's 100% do or die because it's really, like you said, the last audition to get a spot on the roster. So not everybody is kind of chilling, not doing things. The starters are, but the starters up to a certain point. Once you get closer to the season, the last game or two, you will see at least for a ser- probably about about half the game, some of the starters will play in a limited capacity. But it is still exciting to see because guys are still hustling to get that spot. I mean, you don't, no no person is guaranteed to make the roster. So there are guys going at 110%, and it is fun because it's football. I mean, that just shows you how great football is, is that even if you go to preseason game, it's still fun, still exciting. And now with the Bucks being as successful as they've been winning the Super Bowl, I imagine even the preseason games are probably hard to find because I checked some of the ticket prices, and I kid you not, Aaron, I kid you not, about a month and a half ago, before today, almost two months ago, I was checking out the tickets, and a ticket for the Cowboys game was going for like six fifty a ticket, not even – like a good seat, you're talking about nosebleed, minimum bottom of the barrel. <laughs> and it's the Cowboys, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It's a good way for you to go ahead and see your team and kind of get like a, a lower rate because the Bucks are really they're, – they're not coming cheap this year. Tom Brady got to get his money. Yeah, I looked at some tickets for tomorrow's game just to kind of gauge, you know, what things were going to look like. I use a, a site, and this is not an endorsement, but I use a site called TicketZoom, and they oftentimes have last-minute really cheap deals. 
I saw some tickets for tomorrow night's game for like $18. There's some fees included in that too. So they're probably closer to 30, 35 by the time you pay those fees. But um, for a preseason game, especially with a tropical storm, you know, bearing down on Florida, to me, it wasn't worth it. Rather watch on TV, which uh, certainly I'll be uh, hoping to do here tomorrow. But uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to see training camp, everything open up and, and uh, players getting their reps. Um, this is the, the time of year where some exciting things do happen. You're going to see whether it's during one of the, you know, camp days or during one of the preseason games, you're going to see a big, big name player get injured and go down for the season. It's just bound to happen. It happens every year. Probably the most infamous one that I can think of was uh, 1999 when um, the uh, then St. Louis Rams, uh, they had a, just a terrific looking offense. And I believe it was uh, Trent green was their uh, quarterback. He got injured in the preseason, tore his knee up. And I, the famous, the famous uh, line from, from, uh, uh, from big for me. I'll get put. I'm sorry to interrupt you. We had a call on the line. Oh, we do. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Allen and Aaron sportsbook radio show. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, how you doing? Lou. All right. I have, I have time tonight. I have time. All right. Lou, good to have nice you back. You. Thanks. Oh, yes. Yeah, Whenever I, I get a free moment, I'm available. All right. What's That's on your mind tonight? <laughs> well, I know you're talking a lot of football, but did you happen to catch the Field of Dreams game last night? I did catch uh, Lou a part of it. Go ahead, Alan. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I did catch yeah. part of it, um, and, and to be real honest with you, I mean, you know, it's a great thing. I mean, obviously, it's one of the, yes, probably in my opinion, the, the best baseball movie, maybe even the best sports movie ever ever made. So I think to finally, 33 years after that movie came out, mm-hmm. to finally have the opportunity to play in that setting was very neat. I don't have a care for either one of the teams, honestly, but it, it was right. neat to see that. Oh, and, thanks. And to see. <laughs> And to see, um, just to see the the home runs they hit into the to the cornfield, that was certainly yeah certainly very neat. I did catch uh, a good couple innings of Great it. Game. I didn't catch the end though. Yeah, the end. I hear they uh, it got pretty dramatic there at the end. So <laughs> it sure did. The Yankees came back from three down, maybe and take the lead, and then just when you thought nothing else could happen and couldn't have scored better, the White Sox won a two run homer. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was. It was. I mean, you know what? For all things that Major League Baseball got wrong, they hit a grand slam on this game. It was phenomenal. It was the most watched game in MLB history in the last 16 years. So they yeah. they really marketed. I have to give them their props. I mean, that game, that idea, Kevin Costner was there. The, the way that they advertised it and marketed it, it really felt yeah. like it was a field of dreams. It was remarkable. It was. I, I couldn't be more proud of Major League Baseball for doing that. And I'm one of the guys, yeah. like Aaron, who's very, very cynical of Major League Baseball over the last decade because of all the, the rules and all the changes that they've made that yeah. most of them, I don't, like, I don't care for them. But that game, that idea is fantastic. And they said already, I, I wanted to tell this to you guys on the show, they said that they're going to bring that game back for 2022, one time a year. So if we have if, a season. If we have a season. You know, everything is pending COVID, but 
if everything is if they have a season, they're gonna play another game next year. It's already been said. So mark it on your yeah. calendars if you want to go to Iowa. How would you guys feel if you went to that game? Would you guys be interested in going to the game? I, I would absolutely yes. love it. I think it would be a neat experience. I mean, even just to go there and see that uh see that movie set and the farmhouse and all the all the um nostalgia that's around that and I think another great idea, and it is great they're going to do this again next year, I think another great idea that I read online here, and I don't think this is the first time I've heard this, but another great baseball movie, um, you guys probably saw it too, is The Sandlot. They need to have a Sandlot game too. I mean, yeah. why not? You know, have, you know, I think to me, I think what this does, and Alan and I have talked about this over the last probably year or so on the show, and even, you know, outside of it too, you know, baseball's a business. And we love baseball yeah. ourselves, but if you want to draw new fans and maybe individuals from areas that don't normally watch baseball, you got to have some of these things that, that grab the attention. And like you said, the highest highest rated or highest watched game in 16 or 17 years, whatever it was, that's yeah. that's that's pretty uh, pretty outstanding there. So I think if you start having this, um, you know, you see what they're doing with some of the you know inner city baseball leagues. You're drawing people in who don't get a chance to normally have the game around them. I think it's a great thing. Sure. And I think it's great for the game of baseball, too. Yeah, Lou, what are your thoughts on that? It is. Iowa? It is, but, of course, well, you can look at it this way. I mean, everybody is, you know, excited to see about it because it's never been done before. Uh, and it had, you know, the Yankees and the White Sox. I don't know if it's going to look the same next year because you're not going to get the same teams. And who knows? So it can go either way. It was a great idea. And hopefully, you know, if there's no work stop, it next year they'll have it. But it's kind of hard to say it's gonna have, what kind of an impact it'll have next year. I mean, you know, people think it's like just, you know, like a novelty idea. And when novelty wears off, then, you know, it goes back to like, well, only about three people watch. So, um, you know, we'll have to, have to see about it. Yeah, that's a great point, Lou. I did think about that. When Last year we had 30 million. This year we had three. <laughs> And those ratings, those ratings will determine right right away whether they do it again after next year. You know, if they they get great ratings again next year, it's it's likely that they'll continue to do it because you know the sponsors are right. going to say there's money involved and we want to you know capitalize on that. But if it's if it's a down in the dumps kind of thing, then you know it's going to be a lot harder to yeah a lot harder to sell that again in the future. Yeah, I was going to say you know we got to see what's going to happen with the next year they have a season because you know. Right now, I mean, it doesn't look very promising. I mean, you know, all the collective arguing and whatnot. That's how you say collective arguing, not bargaining. So, and they haven't really done anything, you know, in like the last uh, three or four months. So, it's looking a little shaky right now. I hope they can resolve it. But uh, right now, it looks like a far cry from it. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll get a, a new bargaining, a collective bargaining agreement uh, in place. I think that uh, – you know, this is uh, reminiscent of 2002, uh, which was, I believe, it was August of 2002, and it was, it was. That was just uh, not even a full year after 9/11 had happened, and I do remember some of the voices of reason around Major League Baseball talking about, hey, you know what, we we can't go on a work stoppage, especially no. right after we had a terrorist attack. So I, I think that the the voices of reason will speak up again. We're in the midst of a, of a pandemic, and people need to have, you know, baseball has been one of those things, and you know that that line in the movie that James Earl Jones talks about, you know, baseball is the thing that people often look to as far as a way to kind of have a, a, a reason to 
look away from reality yeah. for a little bit. So I think that really, I think that'll play a role in um, in what goes on this um, this uh, coming winter. And I don't believe Donald Fear is involved in any of the negotiations any longer. So Thank, yeah, but, man, but thankfully, for, you know, he's yeah. on, he's on Santa Claus, that's for sure. That's very true. But you know, here's the thing: if you're involved in the business of baseball in any way, shape, or form. To, to some degree, anyways, you know it's it's a it's a booming business. You look at the uh, the average salaries, how how much they've increased in the last twenty five years. I mean, it's astounding. So I, I have a feeling it'll continue to do that. Yeah. And I think that I think uh, I'm confident we'll see um, a resolution here sometime around Christmas. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I, I don't see. I agree. I don't see the Major League Baseball making that mistake again. Uh, you know, over the last few years, even though I don't agree with some of the rules, baseball has picked up some momentum. They have done things to build in some interest, and they're making their way back. I mean, that game, you had a lot of viewership. You had people that were casual fans or hard, hardcore fans, historians. You had a lot of interest in that game. I agree with Lou's point, though. You kind of don't want to overdo a great thing because then people just – it becomes a novelty – I agree with that. So it's interesting to see what team they bring back because to have the history of the of the White Sox there, I mean, the, the, to have that, it was just it just made more nostalgia to it. And you don't want to overdo it, but I think they'll be fine in, yeah. in bringing two new teams. But you know what? I, I would be very interested in going to Iowa. I'm curious to see what those ticket prices are. Yeah. yeah, those are those are probably high up there. And you know, the other thing they used to do, I, I want to say, 2019 might have been the last time they did it. They they usually have a like a Hall of Fame game. They play somewhere. Yeah. I know they had a, a place somewhere in the middle of the country a couple years ago, a stadium or a ballpark they built kind of real quickly in like a six month or year period. And you had a couple of regular season games that went on there. So this is kind of a continuation in a sense of of um, you know, having a, a, a different type of baseball event, you know, throughout the year. So I think another great idea, and I heard, um, was it uh, Harold Reynolds, I think it was, from MLB Network. Uh, he was saying a couple years ago, you know, hockey, when you have the Olympics going on, the All-Star break and the Olympics are usually at about the same time. And they yeah. shut the NHL down for that two- or three-week period. And the Olympics go on, and you, you – you kind of get a break in there. And I, I really think that the, the way for, for baseball to really capitalize on the World Baseball Classic, which I think is a great event. It's been going on for about 15 years now. I think that they need to take the month of July, the first two weeks, and have the all-star game and all the festivities right the first part of July. And then that next two weeks is all dedicated to the World Baseball Classic. You do that once every four years. And you have baseball for a two-week period on the grand stage, basically of the world, because there's no other sports going on. It's the 4th of July. That's the, you know, the top American holiday, obviously. So um, you've got that. But then you've got all these events. You've got the All-Star game itself. You've got the, the Futures game. You've got the Home Run Derby. And then everybody says, okay, now we saw all these things. Now we get to watch the whole world play baseball right in our backyard. I think it would be a neat thing to have that happen, too. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't want to, because you know, baseball's a 162 game season. They shut that down. Of the, you know, come back and make that. But you won't play the World Series till November until, and won't be done until 
in November, and I don't think MLB wants to do that. Well, you can start your regular season a little earlier. I mean, if you think about it that way. true, too, but it's too cold in some parts of the country. I would say you should cut the season then during that. You have to to cut it. You don't want to start too early because it's too cold, and we're going to be griping about that, and then it's going to start in November, you know, which uh, in November doesn't really make a lot of sense, you know, so – you know, I think if you're going to do it, you got to cut like 135, 140 games. Well, I mean, uh, if you're worried about the cold, if the Yankees just don't make the playoffs, it doesn't matter. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Hey, what are, guys, what are you guys' thoughts on this? I saw this today that uh, even though the Rays are doing outstanding, they're still having trouble with ticket sales. They are the least yeah. one of the least watched teams. But yet they have a star team and a star product on the field. What are you guys' thoughts on the Rays struggling to get fans? I just don't see how you know. I mean, they've been competitive for quite some time now, but yet the fans they just don't really care. I don't think. I just I just don't see you know how they're going to survive in Tampa. I mean, is the area that bad that people don't want to go, or is it something else? Oh, I mean, cause, I'm gonna you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, because, like, you know, I mean, there have been – I mean, uh, the Bronx Yankee Stadium is no picnic either. I mean, but they draw fans. And uh, Chicago, well, we know how that is, you know, with uh, all the high crime running up and people still go to that. I mean, so why is uh, Tampa not getting the same not getting the same result? And Miami, for that matter. Miami, I mean, the Marlins can't draw flies. I mean, they're pretty bad nonetheless, but still, you know. Well, Miami is Miami's not a very good sports town, honestly. I mean, you don't get uh, no. you don't get the same fanfare there that you do in Chicago or New York or L.A. Um, with Tampa, and you know, I've lived in the Tampa market my whole life, so I think there's a combination of things. I think they have great fans, and and Alan can speak to that too. He lives near closer to to there than I do, um, but I, I think they have great fans. I think that the biggest problem that most people have, and it's where the ballpark is, to be quite honest with you, I think that the majority of, I I think 65 to 70% of their fan base is on the Tampa side of the bay. It's not the greatest ballpark. Now, I will say this, and Lou, if you ever get a chance to come down to the Tampa area, it's not the greatest ballpark. It's changed a lot in the 22 or 23 years it's been there. Um, The one thing I do love about it, I don't care what the temperature is outside. It's always 72 inside, and that feels good. So that, that's a that's a nice <laughs> thing to have that comfort right. and have that your 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 perfect temperature. You're dry. You don't have to worry about anything like that. But I do think this year is a little bit different. We have got the pandemic still going on. You got a great team on the field, but I really think that people, especially when you have the convenience of being able to turn on you know Bally Sports Network and have the game right on your TV. Why are you going to drive an hour? We have, we, we're not yeah. we're not in the Bally's market though. Well, down here that that would be what you pick it up on. Right, so. I know it is. Yeah, we still we still uh, call it well. What, what do we call? Yes, network. But we're not part yeah. of the Bally. We're not part of the Bally's uh, family. I see. Okay. See, I mean, uh, really, I think what it is though. I mean, it doesn't matter what market you live in. If you have that convenience of being able to turn a TV on and have your your game yeah. and your team is on, you know, why are you going to drive in? Hour, hour and a half bumper to bumper traffic in in uh, you know on a weeknight, especially if you have to work early the next day. Most people are just going to take that convenience of hey, I'm going to turn the TV on and turn it off when I'm done. So 
Yeah. I, I think that's a big part of it. I think if they get it, I, I think uh, just like the movie says, if they if you build it, they will come. If you build a ballpark well, in, in Tampa somewhere at some point, I think you'll have a much more, uh, much more, uh, you have much more fanfare there. You'll have more people showing up. Yeah. And I think it'll be a more, a more uh, beneficial crowd to the Tampa market. Yeah, I think I think if it's in the right place in Tampa, it can do well. You know, logistically speaking, I don't know about. I mean, I guess if it was an Ebor it probably would do a lot better. But I, I think the stadium is nice. It doesn't look as nice as it does. I will say this much on TV as it does in person. I think in person, it is a nicer stadium and the experience and the feeling. And it, I think it's, it's a lot nicer than the, Ast- the Astrodome. I've actually been to the Astrodome and I actually played on the field in the Astrodome. And when I was trying out for, for an open trial, I went there and played and I think the the Ray Stadium is much nicer than that. And but indoor stadium it's it's a pretty nice stadium. I you know, they got the they got the Ray Tank in the center field. You know, you, you just never know who you might run into. You never know who you might run into if you go to, to the game. Yeah. Mike Allspot, I ran into him there. Fred McGriff. So Yeah, you never know yeah. who you're gonna come across. So and Big Vitale's there all the time, too. So. Yeah, Big Vitale's over there yeah. all the time, you're right. And the black seats, too. The VIP-type seats right down below, which is not cheap tickets for a season ticket holder. The black seats. Yeah, right. Anytime you the black seats, <laughs> you know it's costing you some money. Definitely, definitely. So, Lou, I'm interested in your thoughts on, uh, you know, this final, you know, six, seven weeks of the baseball season are the uh, are the Yankees going to turn it around? Are they going to come alive here in the last seven weeks? And... They're already turning it around right now. So, uh, yeah, I think the trend will continue. I didn't count them out at all when they were, you know, falling apart early in the season. I knew they were going to find their way back. So, this is not surprising me at all. So, uh, watch out, world. Here we come. The pinstripes are coming alive. As for the Mets, what happened? Early in the season, in early April or May, they were like uh, 19-5 and five or whatever. And since then, well, of course, Dick Rom got injured, and their starting pitching has now become a wreck. So, and they're and they're fighting to, you know, to win hopefully the division title. But the way it's going, and I just heard that Dick Rom is going to be shut down for yet another two weeks. So this might cause yep. more problems for the Mets. Ooh, boy. Yeah, he, that that's 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 been their issue. They they have a great roster, but it's you know guys that are on the injured list pretty much, uh, you know. 75% of the season and they can't seem to get that consistency. And this, this is a typical thing of the Mets. And I remember we, uh, Alan, we talked to, uh, to Chip Carey here actually right at six months ago. And he, you know, Chip Carey. Oh boy. We, yeah. We, yeah, we had Chip Carey on back in, uh, <laughs> back in February. And that was one of the things I told him. I said, look, uh, you know, the Mets, they really look good on paper. And he said, you know what? The Mets have looked good on paper the last five years. And unfortunately they've had injury after injury after injury. And, they just can't seem to make it happen. So, you know, we don't know what's going to happen over the next seven weeks or so, but right now it doesn't look very good for them. I mean, they're hanging in there. They're what kind of players should carry doing now anyway? Actually, he is uh, the uh, Bally Sports voice of the Braves. Aha. Uh-huh. Because yeah. he used to do Fox. 
Yeah, he did Fox for uh, for a long time back in the nineties, even. Uh, before yeah, I he know. Was, I, uh... saw, I, I saw the he did the pregame <laughs> for Fox and whatnot. I saw him. Carrie, I, oh, I get running the family because you got his father Skip, and of course you got Grandpa Harry, of course. Yep. <laughs> and of course, you can't forget his famous uh, catchphrase for when a home run was hit. Uh, holy cow! Yep. <laughs> no, 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 no. Chip Carey. Chip Carey. Uh, what is his famous phrase for, <laughs> for, well, for home run? Well, I don't use it anymore, but he used to use it during the pregame. What was that it? one I don't. Yeah, that one I don't remember honestly. Ah, yes. I, okay. I, that was back. That was back in the '90s when he did that. So that's yep. been 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 a few years. <laughs> I'm old. What can I say? I'm getting, I'm getting old. I'm, <laughs> I'm past 50 now, but I remember it all. Yuck. <laughs> Yuck. I don't think we're the same age. I think I'm the same age as, as Chip and uh, Joe Schmuck. <laughs> yeah, that was a great interview. No personality whatsoever. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a great interview we had there, uh, which was, again, right at six months ago today that we – had the, uh, the pleasure of having him on, so it was a, a great uh, great opportunity there back in February. Now, mm-hmm. kind of switching gears here, you know, as we are down the stretch in baseball, getting into the heat of the pennant race, uh, Lou. Yeah. Football starting up. Um, Jets, Thank Giants, goodness. Bills. You know, what? What? Uh, who? Who? Who is going to? Who's going to be the the top team in New York uh, here coming up this year? Well, I hate to say it, but I think the Bills will have it in them. But I don't. But I'm not gonna count the Jets out just yet. I mean, I think with their new coach, uh, new quarterback, I think I see some better things here. Um, so I still think Buffalo is gonna take the top of the East. Uh, Miami is up and coming. I don't see anything for the Patriots. I mean, I knew once when Brady was gone, that was gonna be the Patriots' downfall, and I was right. And I expect the trend to continue. Cam Newton is not another Tom Brady. I'm sorry to say that. I wish I had better use that for my co-host because his co my co-host is his cousin. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's Cam's cousin. He's Cam's cousin. Wow! And what did he say about about Cam Newton? Oh, he denies. Oh, he denies all the rumors. He thinks he's going. He's going to be the next, the big, the biggest thing since sliced bread. Well, he's got to support his family. That's pretty cool. But yeah. Spice Bros was invented just last week, so too late. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, – and I, I said this back in, I don't know, April or May after the draft. Uh, I, I don't think that uh, Cam Newton will be with the Patriots beyond this next year if he's even with the team when the season starts because, you know, yeah. you, you look at uh, Bill Belichick, he, he, he will be patient if he needs to be, but, look, he, he's got a, a legacy to defend here at this point, and they just drafted yeah. a quarterback – it has a lot of similar skill sets to Tom Brady. I'm not saying he's going to be another player just like him, but I think that there's a lot of similarities in terms of what he, he offers as a, as a player. And Cam Newton really never fit in that team anyways, to be honest with you. He, I mean, he, he's more of a, you know, run, run first, throw second type of quarterback. And that was never Tom Brady's MO. So um, I think, uh, I think that uh, Mac Jones, I think is his name, the, the quarterback they drafted. Is that right, Mac? Uh, am I getting that right? <laughs> yeah, Mac Jones. I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have the roster in front of me, so. But I, I think that I, I think that New England did a great job. I think I think New England did a great job in in that. That was probably a, the quarterback that landed in their lap. Um, 
you know, at this point. So, but we'll see. You're absolutely right. I think Buffalo is the team to beat, and Miami is right up there as well. I, I don't know. I, I think Cam, yeah. he's got the factor. I, I, I wouldn't count him out just yet because one thing I got to give Cam Newton credit on is that being that he can run, he always is a threat. And what he just needs to do a little bit better is pass a little bit better. That's the thing. He wasn't, I don't think, as bad as the record shows. I watched a lot of games. He had a great start, and teams were kind of hard to figure him out because they were used to Tom Brady standing in the pocket and throwing. He needs to throw a bit more accurately and more often so he can get more opportunities to run. But I think you're right. This is Cam Newton's last chance, and he's had, and I said that a lot about him. This got to be his last chance because he's got to shine. I I think the Patriots have a better season. I'm not sure if they have a much better season though than last year. Yeah. Yeah, but you know that if uh, if if there's turmoil at the quarterback position, especially if it's you know Cam Newton that's having issues again, if he plays like he did last year, especially the first four, five, six games. Mac Jones will be playing quarterback and starting for this team by the middle of the season, no no question about it. Yeah, if, if they make a quarterback change, right. it's over for Cam Newton. That's and I'll say that much. They make a change at any point this year and go to to go to the rookie, Cam Newton can just forget about it. He might get a start or two if somebody if he gets injured or something happens, but I don't see him being the quarterback of of the future and that's it. I think this is his last opportunity right here. And he's got a shine. Yep. Agree 100% on that one for sure. Yeah, he's got a shine. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Jets are going to do a lot better, too. I agree with you. I think they have a better season this year. I like the coach hire. Yeah. And I think they're going to have a, a good season. I don't know about making playoffs, but I definitely do think they'll be a, they'll have more wins for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's not saying much, but they'll do better in the win category yeah. for sure. Well, Lou, you got anything else to add here tonight? Um, well, let's see. Um, we had the Olympics. I mean, we had the most gold medals, the most medals overall. I mean, nobody really gave much of uh, some of these teams a chance, but uh, we showed them who's boss, didn't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we absolutely did. <laughs> yeah. We never got and in the midst of that, um, you know, we also had another uh, soccer tournament. I mean, it wasn't about the Olympics, but it was another tournament at the U.S. beat Mexico, and I was thrilled about that. Oh, beautiful. I know yeah. a lot of people didn't really care for it, but uh, I was glad to see it. Yeah, there's so much going on this time of year with, uh, you know, football getting started. Uh, obviously, baseball's right in the middle of its uh, season, and, all-star events and all that stuff were going on about a month ago, and then you had the Olympics start. It's hard to keep track of everything, you know, that's going on. I mean, this has on, been a so. very busy summer. It, it's, it has not been a normal summer at all. Yeah, yeah. Probably better than uh, better that we are having it this way, because I remember Alan and I, when we started this show um, right at the beginning of the summer a year ago, we had nothing to talk about. I mean, we were, we were grasping at straws for a little bit, to be honest with you. And... Uh, to now have so much to talk about that we can't cram it into a two-hour show or an hour-and-a-half show um, is, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, we can pick and choose what we want to talk about at this point, which is nice. So, Yeah. yeah. I also had the same problem last year of my show because 
you know, we're going to be talking about. But we did find things to talk about because uh, we were also concentrating on the uh, Jordan mini series last year, the fall at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we had I had to do something. Yeah. And what do you got going so, on for your show? Well, we're going. Of course, we're going to discuss the uh, Field of Dreams game. We'll talk uh, preseason football. A um, little bit of college football. I'll wrap up the Olympics. Uh, we'll talk. Uh, we'll even talk some. Uh, we'll talk some NHL because uh, the NHL is having you know some problems with trying to schedule uh, with the uh, All Star with the All Star break, which coincides with the Olympics, which we still don't know if the NHL players are going to play the Olympics. So I want to touch base on that. So it should be a very interesting show, and the show is still the same time, five to seven p.m. on Saturdays. Eastern time, that is. Number is still the same, 512-543-4662. I'll repeat it again, 512-543-4662. It has been a busy summer, and it looks like to continue that way until at least Labor Day. Yeah, absolutely. And that's 5 to 7 tomorrow, Eastern Standard Time Zone Saturday. You can catch Lou, one of our great, great callers. We always appreciate him. The phone number is 512 Four six six two, and yeah, it's just sounds like you got a great lineup tomorrow. Yeah, and hopefully I'll get some more callers. Last week, um, I said as I said season season high. I think the best numbers I had in over a year and a half. Wow, that's great fantastic. to hear. Great, great to hear. hear. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Yeah, so hopefully I'll get some good calls tomorrow. I hope I hope. Yeah. 512-543-4662. You guys got to call in to support our great caller, Lou. Yep. And when I get a free move on uh, Friday night, I'll be back. All right. We always appreciate you having right. you, Lou. Thank you. Always. Thank you, fellas. Lou, You're thank welcome. you for calling. You have a great night. You have a great night. Yeah. That was the yeah. uh, that was the famous Lou from, uh, from New York. He is our uh, frequent caller, of course, uh, to the show. Uh, certainly, we love having him on as a guest, getting his perspective on uh, sports from uh, from the New York angle, I guess we could call it. So, um, <laughs> Alan, I know we've, we've got some, some specific topics we wanted to go over here tonight. Um, and I think uh, certainly this didn't come out of nowhere. I think we kind of saw this coming. Uh, Bobby Bowden, a longtime Florida State head coach, um, a bitter rival of mine because I'm a Florida fan. Uh, he lost his battle with cancer uh, this week at, I believe he was 93. Um, so we certainly want to send our condolences uh, to Bobby Bowden's family, the Florida State family. Um, you know, I always give people who are Florida State fans a hard time just because they're a rival, but obviously this one is uh, is a little bit more uh, personal in nature at this point because he did uh, pass away, had a great career, uh, was always a class act, um, you know, had sons that coached in college football as well, and and certainly, um, you know, a guy that'll be missed. And I know that uh, I have many Florida State friends that are are you know certainly um, saddened by his passing. But he lived a nice, really long life, ninety uh, three years, I believe, again. And so, uh, certainly from the uh, Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show, we send our condolences to the uh, to the family once again of Bobby Bowden. Absolutely. I mean, such a great man and a great coach and great individual. I mean, there was so many <clears throat> great, you know, tweets and posts about 
Bobby Bowden and his memories. We've had, uh, you know, the uh, Fenders. You had Derek Brooks. You had guys who really, really miss Bobby Bowden, even though knowing that you're right, that it, it was, you know, when you get up in their 90s, even if you don't have cancer, you have to start thinking about what's next, you know? Even when people are kind of thinking that it could be happening, they still are heartbroken. And you're right, uh, Florida State fans, yeah, it's definitely a a tough pill to swallow, but he's a great man and will be missed. Absolutely. And also um, this past week, uh, kind of a rough week in the sports world, uh, back on, I believe it was this past uh, Sunday, um, anyone who's ever watched any motorsports in the last 25, 30 years or even further back, uh, Bob Jenkins was always a uh, great voice to hear, especially when the Indy 500 was going on, anything related to the uh, IndyCar series. Uh, there's some NASCAR stuff he did over the years, too. Um, there was a show he did back in the 90s, I believe, called, if I remember correctly, Speed Week. And... Um, he passed away uh, on this past week from cancer at 73. Um, for me, I grew up, and still to this day, maybe not as uh, as much as I did when I was younger, but always loved motorsports. And when I would turn on, you know, the intro to a race, especially one of the more major races like the Indy 500, uh, he would always be doing a lot of the um, the voiceover work and the intros and and you know interviews and things of that nature. So. Uh, this is a guy who I, I, I watched uh, back in May, um, right around Memorial Day, that he was actually missing the Indy 500 for the first time in 50 years. Um, so this is a person who was dedicated to his craft and, and certainly had, uh, had worked very hard um, to be able to be at these events every year. So um, the motorsports world is going to miss him a lot because uh, there are fewer voices that are of his magnitude in his sport than as opposed to, you know, football or, or baseball or basketball or anything like that. So um, he was a, a giant in, in his, uh, in his industry and uh, you know, the sports world and the motorsports world in particular is going to really miss uh, Bob Jenkins. Uh, I, I know I will. I, I remember when I saw, uh, I don't know, six or eight months ago that he was deteriorating and getting to the point where he wasn't going to be able to attend events anymore. You kind of knew at that point that that was probably, probably getting closer to the end, unfortunately. So uh, from, again, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk radio podcast, we send our condolences to Bob Jenkins' family. Yeah, definitely. It felt like uh, you really you really had a lot of history watching him. I mean, talk about him being, you know, basically talk about him and his announcing skills. What, what separated him? Well, and again, I think that uh, in the motorsports industry, you know, you look at a, a professional sports league. So you have the NFL as an example. You've got 32 teams. That's 32 teams of broadcasters. Uh, it doesn't work that way in, in the motorsports industry. You have broadcasters for each network. And for the most part, up until recently, it's really only been two or three networks that have really, really had, you know, the, the bigger motorsports, the NASCARs and the Indy cars of the world, you know, it's it, ABC and ESPN for 60 years, always had the Indy 500. And then I think it was three years ago, NBC purchased the, the contract and the rights to, to, uh, to broadcast it. So 
what you're doing in that sense uh, of things is you're the face. I mean, you're, you're the guy. And there's some other guys, of course, around you that are a part of it as well. But, you know, it's not like the Dodgers have Vin Scully and the Yankees have John Sterling and the Braves have Chip Carey and the Rays have Dwayne Stass. You know, you've got, you've got that many guys for the entire circuit that, that do the announcing. So when you're a name at that point, you're in an industry that's smaller because there's not as many, it's not, a, not an individual team thing, you're going to be a more recognized person. So um, he was always also very kind and, and, you know, very personable. I always liked the way that he, when he would do an interview, um, he was friends with a lot of the guys he interviewed, you know, Dale Earnhardt and, you know, a lot of the, the other drivers that he would become friends with uh, over the years. So it wasn't just like, you know, he was talking to somebody he had never talked to or met before. He already knew them for the most part, knew them pretty well. And so he was basically able to take his skills as an interviewer and as a person and help us as the audience get to know that person the way he did. And I always thought that was a really neat thing about him. And that, that, that's, that's the, um, that is the, the true mark of somebody who does extremely well at their craft is especially in the interview industry where you're able to bring out those things, bring out those questions. You know, sometimes when you and I interview somebody, we might've talked to him a couple minutes on the phone before we got him on the, the show. So we're not as prepared. And then for Bob Jenkins, for what he did over the years, he was so good at really making it very fluid uh, to the audience and, and uh, letting us get a feel for, you know, how well he knew that person. So uh, I'll definitely miss that. There, there really won't be anybody else like him to, to come along in the future. He was one of a kind and, and um, certainly had a great voice too. Yeah. That's a great uh, skill and, and definitely want to, yeah, condolences to the Bob Jenkins family. You know, unfortunately, you had Bobby Bowden and Bob Jenkins in, in within a week. So, definitely two guys that are irreplaceable and will be sorely missed. Absolutely, absolutely. So, well, I know we talked a little bit there about uh, the NFL getting going and then preseason. And uh, one of the questions you had uh, sent to me earlier in the week is uh, the ongoing, well, I guess the drama is kind of over now, but w- what do I think about uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? And I think, you know, to answer that question directly, I think if they can put this all behind them as best they can and move forward, I'm going to say it this way. The line in the sand is if you're on one side and you're winning, all this stuff gets brushed under the rug and, for the most part, nobody will remember it. But if this is a terrible season and everything falls apart, <laughs> it's going to be the forefront of every conversation that they have, you know, the rest of the way. Yeah, I agree. You know, if you're the Packers, you want to get up to a great start because, you know, especially Aaron wants to get up to a great start because if you have a poor start, the pressure begins to mound. If this is the right decision, keep it, Aaron. And you have huh, a young gunner in the background who wants to get his opportunity. Jordan, so I think for the Packers, it's important that they get up to a great start. I think that they have a very good team, and if they get hot, they get rolling, they could be right in the mix. They are definitely one of the teams that I would have to say, with Aaron or without Aaron, that the Bucks have to watch out for because it's not a it's not an easy win, and 
definitely it's a tough place to play. I think you're right. Winning cures it all. I think this gets swept beneath the rug pretty quickly if they get up to a very good start. But uh, that's what they need to do. They need us to get up to a very good start and kind of go from there. But I, I think, uh, you know, I, I did learn a lot. I, I did learn a lot about the Packers, the organization, and Aaron throughout this whole ordeal. And, boy, I got to tell you, the Packers need to do some work on, on eliminating a lot of this drama, and so does Aaron. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% correct on that. Uh, I think that um... – you know, this is an issue that's been a dead horse being beaten for the last six months. I mean, it really it seems like it won't go away. And I think a little bit of it, too, is, you know, we talked about Aaron Rodgers having a big ego. I think staying in the headlines, you know, it, it, it kind of breeds a little bit of, you know, after the Lakers were eliminated from the playoffs, LeBron James wanted to make all these announcements when he wasn't in the forefront. And it's kind of like, I want to stay relevant, so I'm going to create some drama and in the news and really he just needs to go out there and play you let your let your play do the talking and I, I've said this from the get-go you know Aaron Rodgers is what 37 38 years old now so if I had been the Green Bay front office I would have traded Aaron Rodgers this offseason because his value is not going to be any higher than it is right now at least from his perspective um, you could potentially artificially inflate the market next year you know, if there's a big injury somewhere, a big big name quarterback goes down, or you know, a team is you know got all the right pieces except for the quarterback in place, then you might be able to, to inflate you know his value. But you know, at his age, I mean, he's he's been fairly healthy his whole career. You're not going to get more from him a year from now than you probably are today. So, to me, I would have made the trade, but you know, it is what it is, and and uh, I think that um, the thing that's probably got me more than anything else is a lot of these, and I've said this a few times on the show. A lot of these uh, sites on uh, online with these Packers fans, they're kind of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I had to just get off those sites because it's driving me crazy. I mean, people are, you know, bashing him. They're bashing the team. They're bashing the GM. They're bashing the other fans. And it's just like, man, we just need to play some football, let all this stuff go behind us, and hopefully win a Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They definitely need to win. You got to put this behind them. I still pick them as one of the teams you got to watch out for. If you want to win the the, the champion, the Bucks, that is definitely a team that you have to watch out for. And that's the Packers. And you know, this is the question: Do you think for people who are not LeBron fans and not Aaron Rodgers fans, I really would like to hear your answer on: Do you think Aaron Rodgers and LeBron James do they create drama to stay relevant on purpose? I don't know about on purpose. I think it's part of their kind of, you think about it this way, you know, they're, they're used to winning. I mean, look, these guys have won before now. Yeah. LeBron James has won a little bit more obviously than, than Aaron Rodgers has. Um, But I think it's one of those things where you're so used to being in the spotlight and for LeBron, whether it was in Cleveland the first time or the second time, whether it was when he was in Miami with, you know, Dwayne Wade, or whether it's now in, you know, in L.A., uh, wanting to be at the center of attention. Naturally, you're a great athlete. You want to do that. And when you're not there, you know, you're you're you want to win. You're fighting for everything you get. So, so I, I don't know that I'd say they intentionally do that. I don't. I don't think. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think either one of these guys 
sat here and said, all right, if I don't win, I'm going to come, come out here and create a, a stir. I just think it's part of their personality. I think it's just part of their, their, what their, their makeup is, um, right, wrong, or indifferent. I just think that's kind of who they are as people. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I do think that, and we agreed on this a couple of weeks ago, your team's out of the playoffs, shut up, go out and work hard in the offseason, put a better team on the field next year or a better team on the court next year, and shut up, you know? I mean, <laughs> that's how it's got to go sometimes. Yeah, I agree. I, if your team is out and you're out, you would never catch Michael Jordan if he did lose, which he did, him trying to be the center of attention while the season is still going on and they're playing the playoffs. I, yeah. I could just showing up to a game and supporting supporting a lifelong friend, Chris Paul, but all the tweets, all the, you know, look at me, all the what about the league, not having the best players on the league, uh, best players on the, on the plane because of injuries. I, I think those conversations – you got to leave it till the off season or another time, because anytime you—I mean, LeBron James has millions and millions of followers. Anytime you tweet something or put something on Instagram, it's going to be news. You understand? It's going to be news. So, yeah. in order for you to not be the guy that's getting the attention or the side story, just don't do it. You know, just don't don't say anything. You know, sometimes that's. That speaks volumes that you're not trying to detract from the guys that are playing. Yes, you had some good points as far as the injuries and things of that nature, but that is a conversation that the timing wasn't right. That is, you know, and you're you're a megastar. You know that that's just not the right time. And, and you know, and I, I think LeBron gets unnecessary hate sometimes. You know, he's he's you know, I mean. But at the same time, he does open up the window, I would say, for criticism. And tweeting and you know, making it all, all about you during a time when your team lost in, in the first round, which is unheard of, first time that's ever happened in your career, you should be trying to keep a low profile at that point. And you're right. Sometimes it's better just to play or just keep your mouth shut. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. And, you know, um Maybe that lesson will be learned. But you don't know. And and again, same thing with um, with him and the Lakers. You know, the same thing I said about uh, about Aaron Rodgers. If you go out there and win an NBA title again this next year, none of this will be even remembered. No, no one will remember this a year from now if that happens. Oh yeah, I mean, that would do so much for Aaron Rodgers' career for him to get another ring. That would be incredible. But um, I still think that the Bucks are the team to beat. I just think the Bucks and the Kansas City. What are your early predictions on who's to beat as far as getting the ring? Well, I think health is going to be a big part of it. I mean, honestly, let's look at both the Packers and the Bucks. If you take away, if you take away Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, if you take away Tom Brady in Tampa, yeah, you've got good guys that are coming in behind them, younger younger players that are the next possible stars of the, of the league. But I don't think you have enough to win. I don't think you have enough to win your divisions in either one of those cases. Um, so I, I think it really boils down to health. Um, I think those are the two top teams, or at least two of the top four teams in the NFC right now. Um, no question about it. I think you start looking around the rest of the NFC, and I would say probably you know, out west, I think the Rams are going to be 
in a much better position now that they have um, uh, now that they have a new quarterback in place there. Um, Seattle is still pretty darn good. Um, I think Arizona might turn some heads this year and surprise some people. Uh, so those are some some other teams that I think are going to may, maybe be in the mix. And even San Francisco, I mean, they, they can get things back in, in the right direction too uh, there. That could be really interesting. Uh, AFC, I mean, Kansas City is not getting any any slower. I mean, they're they're still a, a quick team. They've got a ability to score a lot of points real quickly. And you know, Buffalo obviously um, they're going to put up some points this year, and they're going to be a really solid offense. Um, you start looking at uh, teams. You know, talked about Miami getting better. Um, I know this is a team that probably isn't going to go anywhere this year, but I think the most intriguing team to watch is going to be Jacksonville, primarily just because this team reminds me so much of the, the late 90s uh, Colts when Peyton Manning was first drafted. I think they're going to have a really bad probably first year under Urban Meyer, but I think that they are going to, they're going to grow very quickly. And with, uh, you know, with the number one overall pick at their you know, new quarterback position there, I think that's going to be a really fun team to watch. And then you start getting out West. And you start looking at, you know, who who else has got a, a really good opportunity. And, you know, I, I, I look at, uh, you know, look at the Chargers. You know, they're starting to get better, too. Uh, the Raiders are kind of right in there as well. So I think that there, there's really – I'd say there's really two top-tier teams in the AFC. And there might be three – two or three in the NFC. So I, I think it would be kind of a similar look to the end of this year as it was this past year. And I'm not going to make a Super Bowl prediction quite yet just because as soon as I do that, someone big is going to get hurt and miss the year, and it's going to make me change my prediction. I don't want to do that yet. So, Yeah, you're right. And I don't want to <laughs> – you <laughs> you're right about yeah. that. You're right about that. But I, I definitely think it's going to be a great season. That's one thing about the NFL is that it's exciting. I, you know, you can understand why they have the number one sports because watching ESPN, watching SportsCenter, somebody making a great play, busting out a run, making a great defensive play, it's just so exciting. So it's great that the guy's going to be back playing and, and it's years on the way. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to this, uh, this season because last year, and granted, we don't know how things are going to go with the pandemic stuff going on, but last year was such a, a different game because, you know, even up to the day the game was supposed to be played, you didn't know if somebody was going to be out, if they were going to delay the game. And you remember I had that time where the Steelers had like three or four straight days where they moved the game back, moved the game back, moved the game back. So, so I think this time it'll be a much more, um, I think much more, I don't want to say predictable, but much more, there's more, there's, you know, you know what to expect. You know that there's going to be games. You know that there's going to be fans in the stands. That's something we didn't have last year. So that'll be very nice to have. Yeah, you're right. I mean, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be normal on those words for quite some time. But you're going to hear cases, you know, coming up with unfortunate fans and things like that. But you're right. It is going to be fans in the stand. You don't have to think or guess about that. You still got to use precaution and go out there to the games, but it's nice that they're back. Yeah, no, for sure. It definitely, definitely is. So, 
then uh, with football, obviously the first uh, game every year is always the uh, the Hall of Fame game. That was Dallas and Pittsburgh. Obviously, they've met in the Super Bowl a couple times uh, over the years. And uh, a lot of big names going into the Hall of Fame this year. Nice to see, um, you know, Peyton Manning, one of my favorite players of all time, John Lynch, uh, who uh, who starred at Tampa for many, many years, one of the hardest-hitting guys to ever play in the NFL. In fact, I think if he was playing today, he would get fined so many times they'd probably just kick him out of the league as hard as he used to hit back in the day. So so great to see him um, get into the Hall of Fame. He is now, of course, the uh, – general manager for the 49ers Calvin Johnson who probably could have played a few more years and maybe if he'd gone to another team had a shot at winning a Super Bowl he was with Detroit his whole career uh, but a, a great wide receiver in fact maybe one of the best skill wide receivers we've had in the league in a long time uh, getting into the Hall of Fame um, Charles Woodson obviously a uh, terrific player and then uh, uh, head coach of the Raiders, Tom Flores, uh, he gets into the Hall of Fame as well. So really nice to see some of these uh, these guys that were well-deserving of their call to Canton. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a great class of guys. And, and it was just uh, great speeches. And, and the cool thing was that what you never usually see is Tom Brady showed up to support Peyton Manning. I mean, that's – Yeah. I was I – was, Surprise, because usually Tom Brady is the type of guy that likes to fly into the radar underneath all circumstances, and uh, to to show up and support Peyton, I mean that's big time. I and mean, you know he showed up, he's sitting in the front, listening to speeches. It made me think if he is considering, you know, after this year, that's that's being it. And you know when you're sitting at a Hall of Fame. See, you have a, your mind has to wonder, hey, how is it going to be when I get a chance to get up there? You understand? So, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was it was great that he showed up, and I was impressed. You know that Tom Brady showed up. That's not Tom Brady's style. I know that you know he he did it as a friend, but what are your thoughts about him showing up? No, I think it's a neat thing because, you know, what will happen when he goes to the Hall of Fame here in a few years, you know, Peyton Manning will be there, um, you know, and probably many other, uh, you know, players who played against him throughout the years will be there too. Eli Manning will probably be happy to be there too because he'll be able to say, look, I beat a, a Hall of Fame quarterback twice, you know, in the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, I think that's a good thing. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, these guys are competitors and they want to beat each other, but – they're also good friends too. I mean, they're, they're very, very good friends, and and it is nice to see that uh, rooting for the other guy kind of thing uh, from time to time. Yeah, it is, and you know, it's, you're right. I mean, you you battle the court, you battle you know the or the stadium, but at the end of the day, you understand it's still a game, and you're still friends. You know, exactly. It's great that he did support of it. And I, like you said, I, I, it's nice that, I, you know, Peyton will be uh, there, too, I'm sure, to support Tom Brady. Whatever that happens in 2030, <laughs> according to what he <laughs> said. <laughs> and, and one of the great speeches that I did hear that I thought was really cool was uh, Edward James. And he talked about, you know, he started the league, he was wearing gold teeth, and it, his career now with a gold jacket. 
And one of the things that he did say that was interesting was that a lot of times people, you know, with the dreads, the gold teeth, people automatically assume that you've been locked up. And it was really cool that, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. And, and it just goes to show you with Martin Luther King, you had a, you got to judge the person with the content of their character. And I thought it was a great speech he made of, you know, how he was misjudged by a lot of people in life because of the outside appearance. But he made it to the NFL. He hasn't been arrested. And, you know, he was he, he got a gold jacket. And I, I thought that was just a, a great lesson in life that when it comes to people, you can always judge a book by its cover. A hundred percent. I've always liked Edwin James. I think he was always one of those guys who you're absolutely right. You know, if you were looking at him by his appearance, you were kind of like, you know, but you got to know him, you get to hear him talk, you got to hear him be, you know, friendly with his teammates and everything like that. And you're absolutely right. You, you cannot judge a book by its cover. Um, he was always a classy guy there, fit in great as a teammate. And I always found it ironic when he left the Colts after the 2005 season, um, I really thought, hey, Peyton Manning is never going to win a Super Bowl in in in, uh, in Indianapolis because Edron James was the perfect complement to the running game that they needed to have there. And ironically, they drafted Joseph Adai to be their running back in 2006, and they end up winning a Super Bowl that year. So um, didn't expect that to happen. And you know, Edron James, unfortunately, his career didn't really go the right way after he left. He went to Arizona, and that ended up not being quite as uh, as uh, illustrious as he would have wanted it to be, but uh, nonetheless, a great running back. And I, I'd say, you know, outside of, you know, a few guys that played in the last 20 years, I think he's probably one of the most underrated running backs in the last 30 years in the NFL. And now he's in the hall of fame. So. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. You know, he is underrated, but you're right. He, he definitely had some great, Great years with Pulse, and I'm glad he he did get his uh he did get his introduction into the Hall of Fame, well deserving. And in life, you know, you just got to make sure you judge people by their content, and that's that's something that stuck with me. I like speeches like that where it resonates with you, that gives you a great life lesson. Yeah, and I, what I like too is you know some people might. Um... Some people might, you know, be bitter about that. And I think the thing about him that I like so much is he he's using that in a positive way to say, hey, look, you know what? Don't worry about what people may say about you or, you know, judge you or however you want to look at it. Just play your game. Let that do the talking and be the person that you are. And I think he was a very, very good example of that for sure. Yeah, exactly. And just be be who you are. Stay true to yourself. You know, if you, if you like dreads and you like gold teeth, <laughs> You know, to pull it off, and that's you. Hey, you know, be you. You're right. And I thought it was really cool that he got the bus with the dreads, too. You have an option of getting it, you know, you can alter it a bit, or you can make it the way it is and how you want to represent yourself. And I thought it was really cool that he was just true to himself and stayed himself throughout the whole process. Yeah, yeah. He didn't shy away from it, even with somebody. guy, yeah would look at that negatively. Yeah, yeah. And definitely a beast of a running back too. I tell you what, um I'm not sure Peyton Man I'm not I'm not gonna say he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, but I think that his first 
five, six years in the NFL, or the years that, that rather that uh, Edron James was with him in uh, in Indianapolis would not have gone the same way they did had they not had the the running game with Edron James. So he he again really was uh, I think a big difference maker um, in that team. And some of those playoff runs that Indianapolis had over those years would not have happened. And you know here's another big one. And you're a Bucks fan, so you'll you'll feel this one a little bit. Uh, Monday Night Football in 2003, Indianapolis is playing in Tampa. And they're down by, I don't know, 21 or 22 points or something like that with four minutes left in the game and three Hall of Famers on that Indianapolis team. Peyton Manning, now Edron James, and, of course, uh, the great coach uh, Tony Dungy, and they come back and win that game in overtime. So Edron James was a big part of that, and uh, obviously Peyton Manning was too. And it just goes to show you te- teammates and having you know chemistry working together is a big, big part of why you're a successful team. And sometimes you can have, you know, and this applies to any sport, you can have great talent, but if you don't have the great chemistry to go along with it, sometimes it doesn't really work. So that's why sometimes you see these high-priced teams that you're like, hey, this team is spending all this money, they should be winning, and yet they fall flat because they didn't have the chemistry, they didn't have all the right pieces in the right spot. So... So I think that uh, the thing about I think I, uh, those two guys, Peyton Manning and of course Edger and James, is they were great pieces of that huge makeup that they had in Indianapolis all those years ago. No, you're absolutely right. They were, and they were, you know, big pieces. You, you, you brought up a great point, Aaron, is that you have to have chemistry when it comes to playing with your teammates. I mean, you could you could have talent. Your teammates could have talent. But you got to gel together. You got to know people, not just on the field. You got to know their personality, what makes them click, what makes them motivated, what demotivates them, what upsets them in a meeting. You got to know those things. You got to learn as you go along, and you got to learn them quickly. And chemistry is big because you're right. If you're not, if you don't have chemistry, you're not in sync with your counterparts. You know, you'll be making a cut left, and the play is designed for the right or you just won't be on the same page yeah. both uh, on the playbook and mentally, too. So it goes to show you that to have a great team, you've got to be in sync with everybody's personality and what's going on in their life. It's not just plug and play. It doesn't work out that way. Well, and I'll use, and I've always used this as an example. I think Joe Torrey was probably the best at that, um, at least from the, the big market of New York. And you look at him early on, and the Yankees, I mean, at that point, they had already established themselves as a, a contender. They were in the playoffs the year before he got there. Um, and you look at where he was when he started and where he was when he ended in 11 or 12 years in the Bronx. Um, I think anybody can, in, in a sense, manage a, a roster like that. But it's managing it successfully that, that is going to count, obviously, and what's going to keep you on the job there, especially during those uh, those years with George Steinbrenner owning the team. So so I think the thing that was so great about Joe Torre is he knew how to manage the dynamic of that clubhouse. Now, early on, he didn't have quite the same personalities as you did later on in his tenure there. And I'll kind of use this as a, the other extreme. Early on, you know, you had Derek Jeter. He was a rookie. You had Paul O'Neill. You had uh, uh, Bernie Williams. You had... Uh, 
you know, Daryl Strawberry, our good friend, who was uh, who was there playing with the uh, Yankees at the time. Cecil Fielder gets traded there in the middle of the season. You have um, Mariano Rivera getting ready to come up. He was, I think, pitching in the eighth, uh, eighth inning at that point. John Wetland was a closer. You have a great team. Jimmy Key is pitching. You have Andy Pettit. I mean, all these these guys that were, you know, studs in the big leagues. And so you're not just managing a roster. You're not just managing a team or a lineup for nine innings. You're managing a bunch of, a bunch of personalities. And I think the other extreme to that is at the end of Joe Torrey's run, 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, you had personalities that were pretty hard to keep in, in a, sometimes in a manageable setting, especially with a bunch of other ones in the clubhouse. You had, uh, you know, Alex Rodriguez, you had Gary Sheffield, you had um, the bad blood apparently between A-Rod and Derek Jeter. So you had all those things going on, and sometimes that became hard to manage. And as good as those Yankees teams were in 2006 and 2007, they got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. So sometimes the chemistry changes, and those elements can have a spillover effect where it doesn't work out too well for you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you brought up a great point with Joe Torre. I mean, this guy, to me, status of a legend is up there because he managed the guy's personalities, both good and bad. He managed the media well. He made the right moves. He didn't always go just on numbers. He looked at his gut feeling, too. I mean, he's like a throwback, but he kept everybody settled, even when they had stretches of not doing well. Having great chemistry also builds character and toughness where you understand it. Even though you might have character and you might have a great talented team, doesn't mean you're going to win every night. And the mature manager keeps his team cool, understands the situation, understands their team really well, what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are. And Joe Torrey called it. He said he, when they lost the first game in the playoffs, he said, we're probably going to lose the second game, but we're going to win four straight. And that was against your Braves. Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, that's the one that still hurts here 25 years later. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just just given that that series, uh, we won the two first games in, in New York and it did it pretty soundly too. I mean, in the first game, I think it was like uh, eight to one or 10 to one or something like that. And then, was a closer game in the second game, but at that point, you know, we're going home three games in Atlanta. We've got all this momentum. And then we lost a pretty close game three, but we had a six, nothing lead in game four and just couldn't hold it. And unfortunately, once that, once that home run was hit by Jim Lehrer, it's off Mark Wallers, uh, the whole momentum of the whole series just changed and, and turned towards New York's favor. And then Andy Pittett pitched a uh, one, uh, or a complete game, I believe it was a complete game shutout in game five. And, you know, I remember being a 15-year-old kid, ninth grade in high school, watching game six of that World Series. I knew I knew the day before we were going to win. So, um, but, uh, you know, Joe Torrey did a great job with that team. And I think he got, uh, I think he got pushed out at the wrong time. But at the same time, you know, 12 years in New York, that's a long time. I mean, you win four or five World Series out of six or seven you went to. Um, I'd say that's not a bad uh, resume to have there for sure. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You take that resume and for any day of the week. And, yeah, it did not end well in New York with Joe Torrey. A lot of it had to do with the management. 
they they I think didn't handle it well the way they gave him his contract and had too much performing late and this guy's a proven winner. I, I just don't think they wanted to play Joe that money. And they even though the Yankees and they they have money, it's still a business and they were trying to cut Joe a ham and cheese deal when he deserved a steak, basically. Yeah. I understood why Joe wouldn't want to take that type of deal. So I, I definitely understand that. But I do think the Yankees really didn't want him back because they didn't want to pay him. And this was a yeah. way that he could save face. That was, that, that was the thing I always felt like. And he, he wrote that book. I think it was The Yankee Years was the name of it. Yeah. And he talked about that in there. Um, the Yankees didn't want to fire him necessarily. But they basically did, in a sense, because they gave him a pretty, for all intents and purposes, they gave him a pretty insulting offer for a contract. And I remember listening to that press conference in November of 07 and him basically saying, you know, look, I'm not saying I should be the highest paid manager, but, you know, look at look at what I've been able to do in, in 11 or 12 years here in New York. This is something we haven't seen happen in quite a long time. And, you know, to, to give me a, a decrease in my pay for what I've been able to accomplish, you know, I just feel like that's a slap in the face. And, you know, I think it was, in, in, you know, certainly the intentional way to do it without having to fire him. And, you know, the rest is history, as they say. And, you know, from the Yankees perspective, they've been to one world series since they've won it, of course, but, you know, they haven't had the same success they had when he was at the helm there uh, back from uh, 96, 2007. No, you're right, and it, it really was upsetting as a fan, a Yankee fan, that they had to go through that at the end. And you're right, in a way, they technically, I would agree with you, they, they didn't fire him underneath those words, but they pretty much put him in a position forced where... Forced him out the door, yeah. Forced him out the door, right. That's, that's the best yeah. way you can say They forced him out the door. They didn't want to pay him what his, his real value was and his true value and they forced him out the door. It was unfortunate as a fan that it ended that way. He deserved better. He definitely should have been offered a a better and more lucrative contract, not a an insulting contract. So I understood his 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 point of view of not accepting it. And and I didn't like the way the Yankees kinda of held that the way they did it. But it's it's part of Yankees tradition. We see this with Billy Martin. We see this with other, you know, managers when they start winning and those contracts start getting bigger with the manager, all of a sudden there's an issue. You even see it with Derek Jeter. You know, I think Derek was really, really lucky he got that last contract and that was that was not a good public spectacle either. Yeah. For a guy who doesn't like the public, you know, negativity of the public. He was uh, the way the Yankees were playing games. It turned bad, and unfortunately, like you said, they didn't want to fire him, but they forced him out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I, well, I know definitely... tonight you wanted to get to. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I got just wanted to say I got to give uh, Joe Torrey credit for being a man. He is a manager. We love to have him on our show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to have uh, Joe Torre on. I mean, this is a guy who managed uh, both your Yankees and my Braves back in, of course, the 80s. Um, 
managed uh, five teams over the years, uh, Atlanta, the Mets, uh, the Cardinals for six or seven years, the Yankees for all those years, and, of course, ended with the Dodgers. Um, and he's obviously one of the winningest uh, uh, regular and postseason managers of all time. So I'd, I'd love to see uh, an opportunity to have uh, Joe Torrey come on with us at some point. Yeah, me too. I'm going to reach out to Joe Torrey and his people and see if we can make that happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know you wanted to get to some uh, some news, the breakdown of the uh, Spence versus Pacquiao fight um, coming up here. What what, uh, what are your thoughts on that here coming up? Yeah, what ended up happening was this is a big news that um, Spence, unfortunately, had to withdraw from the fight due to an eye injury So that I guess he sustained during sparring. And it was a big news this week because a lot of people thought it was a fake injury and things of that nature. And uh, there's a lot of questions I was asked this week. There's a lot of talk. And I wanted to give people my thoughts on this situation. When the fight was first announced that Errol Spence and Pacquiao was going to fight, I chose Errol Spence to win. This was about two and a half, almost three months prior to the fight. About a month and a half into then signing the contract, making the announcement, they had their first press conference. And I on this show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio show, then at that point changed my mind and said, hey, I think Pacquiao is going to win this fight. And the reason being is because Errol Spence looked very nervous during just the first press conference. Being at, here at the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio show, we've been into, introduced and been to quite a few press conferences I know you can't tell everything in a press conference, but being that I've been into quite a few boxing press conferences, I can judge a guy's demeanor, a guy's confidence level, and usually those things are not being said. It's just you could just look at a guy's body language. Errol Spence looked very nervous, and I said at that point on this show that I think Pacquiao's going to win the fight. A month later, Spence looked again, he looked very nervous about this fight because there was footage that Pacquiao was leaked about his speed, his uh, fighting speed. It's like the guy getting aged. And Spence himself was looking very frail. He didn't look like, you know, he, he lost maybe too much weight. But I would have to say, as the fight was getting closer, make no mistake about it. I feel and still feel this way that Errol Spence was going to lose this fight against Pacquiao, and he was going to lose it pretty badly. So the injury kind of went to Errol's advantage in the regard that it bought him time, and he didn't—he ha- doesn't now have to fight Pacquiao. It bought him an out. He had—I do think there was some controversy where Bernard Hopkins thinks that that eye injury is fake. I don't think that injury is fake because. Spence has been looking very frail recently. I could see something like that happening. He looked like skinned bones, whereas Pacquiao looked like he had muscle and it was his natural weight class. So the way I look at this fight is I look at that situation that Errol Spence was going to lose that fight and make no mistake about it. He was going to lose the fight and get his first loss. The eye injury kind of stays space for him. I definitely do pray he gets better. And it was unfortunate, but I do think he was going to lose his fight anyway. I didn't think uh, I think Pacquiao was going to win, 
Now Pacquiao's going to fight Ugas instead of Spence. They're going to keep the same date. I, I think Pacquiao wins that fight. I think it's a, it's a bit of a change for Pacquiao because Spence is a righty. He's fighting now Ugas, who's a, a southpaw. But I just think the speed is going to be too much for Ugas. The only advantage Ugas has is his height and size, but Pacquiao has fought bigger guys. I think Pacquiao wins this fight pretty easily. And, I, and no, I don't think Pacquiao will fight Spence in the future. I think Spence lost his opportunity. It's unfortunate, but I don't think uh, I don't think Pacquiao's going to fight Spence even after this fight. I think Pacquiao's going to win this fight pretty convincingly against Ugas, and I see Pacquiao retiring. I don't see him fighting again. Uh, eye injury can be you can heal from that and get better, but I just don't see Pacquiao going through another training camp, going through the process all over again to fight Spence. I think the the ship has sailed on that. I know a lot of boxing fans are talking about it this week. So I did want to give the fans uh, that that input on on uh, the boxing situation with Pacquiao. It's big news this week. I also did want to thank uh, Top Rank, who did ha- who did include us in the press conference this this week that I did join, and I, I didn't post much about it because I didn't get a chance to ask. I did get a chance to ask Nico Ali, who is Nico Ali Wash, who is actually the grandson of Muhammad Ali. He's making his yeah. pro debut this weekend, his first fight, and he was on the press conference. You can hear it on our show link, the entire press conference. I wanted to ask Nico a great question, and I was a little disappointed that I didn't get a chance to ask him. Nico, by the time they, they were late in the, the Zoom, the Zoom got had some technical difficulties. Lo and behold, they only was able to take Nico was only able to take three, maybe four or five questions. That was it. I didn't get picked, so I was disappointed. I won't reveal the question just in case I do get a chance to ask him. I don't want him to hear the question prior to me asking him. I know that it's a possibility to get to him. I will wait till the opportunity comes up again. But you don't get a chance to speak to the grandson of Muhammad Ali every single day. Very true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was a little disappointed. That's why I didn't share it on our social media page. I did get a question. I did get a chance to ask a question to some of the other boxers. It, it was kind of disheartening because Nico was the first person out of five or six guys. He was the very first person that came online. And I knew he was going to be first. And I kept I had my hand up in that Zoom thing, and I didn't get, didn't get picked, and he was off the line in four or five questions. I was like, come on, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was disappointing. I was. I, I think top rank, if they're listening, I really appreciate them having a press conference. Just on a personal note, I was a little disappointed. I didn't get to ask a question. It was a great press conference. I, I do have Nico Ali winning his fight. In, a pro, in his pro debut, I also do have uh, both. Uh, I have Andrew winning the Maloney, and it's going to be a great weekend. And you definitely should watch that on ESPN Plus. The the weekend fights, and I know I'm going to watch. I do see uh, Maloney three. I do have Maloney winning that fight, and I do have. Uh, let me just see here. There was another fight that's happening on that same card. 
I do have, I got Nico Ali winning. I have Andrew Maloney winning his fight. I also have Arnold Barboza Jr. winning his fight. And I do feel do both Maloney brothers are fighting. I do believe Jason is going to lose his fight to Joshua Greer. So that's the only hiccup I see seeing during this weekend in the big fights. But I did want to give the boxing fans my thoughts, especially on the Spence and Pacquiao controversy. I think he's injured. I do think it's legit. I think he really did get injured. I think it would be too much of a cover-up. Spence did say he went to three doctors. They all said the same thing. He has a torn rectal tear, which is repairable. But I don't think I, I did. I think this is the beginning of the end for unfortunately for Spence and in uh, his career. I, I just I hate to see that, but you got to look at the fact. Hard to come guy, back, yeah. He's had a major car accident where he's lucky to be alive. He recovered from that. This is a pretty bad injury, and yes, you can fight again afterwards. But I don't see it being. I like to say something positive, but I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Yeah. But yeah, those are my thoughts on the boxing world this week. Well, great stuff here tonight. Uh, a lot of stuff we got to. We want to thank Lou again for coming on. Um, certainly love hearing from him and uh, anyone who maybe missed that part of the show. Usually Lou comes on right at the beginning. We had him on for about 15 minutes, and you can, of course, uh, tune into his show tomorrow night. I believe it's from 6 to 8 Eastern time. Is it right? It's from 5 to 7. 5 to 7. 5 to 7, okay. I knew it was two hours. I just couldn't remember which two hours it was. So, um, so Alan, great show here tonight. Uh, again, uh, glad to be able to have a lot of stuff to talk about. And uh, next week we're going to have even more stuff to go over because we're that much deeper into the baseball season. We're that much closer to the football season. And uh, there'll be a lot of other news, I'm sure, that happens over the next several days. Check us out on our Facebook page. We always like to post uh, news, uh, things that are on there. Definitely post something if you'd like. Uh, Post something about what we've talked about. Uh, Let us know that you like the show. We may even read your comments online as long as they are appropriate. And um, if you missed any part of our show here tonight or any of our previous shows, you can always catch up with us here on the uh, iHeartRadio app. You can basically... Uh, listen to any of our archive shows, including this one here uh, this evening. So I want to thank uh, again, Lou and uh, Alan. Uh, thanks for tonight. And uh, everyone have a great week coming up. Thank you for listening to the Evan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.